Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome those in our Dream Center experience, those watching online and watching on demand. It's a great day to be at the Creek. What a beautiful week we've had, uh, starting off a brand new month and a brand new week. But you know, I like to start off with something funny. Did you hear about this guy that entered into a strict monastery? And one of the rules of the monastery, you had to take a vow of silence. And so as he's talking to the abbot, the abbot said that uh, you'll be able to speak two words after five years. Vow of silence, two words after five years. So he spent five years there. He said, well, what would you like to say after five years? He said, food cold. He said, okay, made a note of that. And then he went back uh, for the next five years and he comes back before the abbot and said, what would you like to say after 10 years? He said, bed hard. Okay, and then uh, he went back to his room, and then after 15 years, he came and said, what would you like to say after 15 years of being here? He said, I quit. <laughs> the guy said, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done is complain since you've been here. <laughs> <laughs> you ever met anybody like that? Just complain all the time. Well, that has nothing to do with the message at all. But we're continuing our series called Time to Dream and this series is built on a small verse from the book of Revelation, chapter 3. It says, See, I have placed before you an open door that no man can shut. In this series, we're looking at how God opens and closes doors to accomplish his will in our lives. Because I believe that there are God-sized opportunities for each one of us that God is moving in our lives and moving in our church. You see, all of us have dreams that we're believing for. All of us have hopes uh, that we're longing for. Some of you are, are believing to pay off your house. Some of you are believing for a new pr uh, promotion at work. Maybe you're believing for a complete healing in your body. Or maybe you're believing that you're going to uh, break free from this addiction. All these dreams, when we look at them, they seem so big, and we say, I don't see how that can ever happen. Those things that seem so big to you are not big to God. Because you see, God speaks, and one word with his authority can change your life. One word on his authority can change your circumstances. And so we have hope that we have his power moving in us to accomplish his dream for our lives. We know that uh, God has given us a dream. He's given us a plan. And God's dream, here's the big idea for the entire series, God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream. God's dream will always be um, bigger than yours because he does more than we can even imagine. But anytime God wants to do something in your life, he starts with a dream. Nothing starts happening until somebody starts dreaming. 
So we have these dreams, we have these visions, we have these goals in our life. But have you ever noticed there are times when, when uh, we have these dreams, but other things start to get our attention and crowd out the dreams God has given us? That's what I want to talk to you about over the next few minutes. There are five things I want to talk about that, that have a tendency to crowd out God's dream in your life. And then we're going to conclude on how do you press through that crowd. Now, to crowd out means to push or to force someone or something uh, out by taking up space. To push or force something or someone out just by taking up space. We all struggle with things that try to crowd out God's vision, and these become really like distractions in our lives. And so I said, there's five. The first, now these are not necessarily bad, but they can be distractions or hindrances. They're they're like dream busters. That's a better word. Maybe they're they're like dream busters that, that come in and spoil your dreams and your hopes. So what are they? First of all, it could be, your family. In, in Genesis chapter 37, we see the story of an Old Testament character named Joseph, and God had a dream for his life. And Joseph had this dream that he would become the ruler, that he would become like the prime minister, that he would work under the king and work under the Pharaoh. And when his uh, brothers heard about Joseph's dream, they didn't believe it, neither did they receive it. Sometimes when you have a dream, the best thing that you can do is just keep quiet around those people who are not going to be a part of the solution. You've got to watch your words. You've got this dream. You've got this vision. This is your dream. This is not somebody else's dream. And we have to guard our words. You see, Joseph talked too much. And the more he talked, the more his brothers were irritated with him. Saying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And so, maybe some of you have had similar reactions, maybe from a brother or sister. Maybe from a mother or dad. Who do you think you are to think you can do that? And their words become this dream buster in your life or this distraction in your life. I was called to preach when I was 14 years old. And at that time, my parents were not as involved in church as they once were. They still attended, but they just were not involved in church as much. And the reason being is they were really close friends with the pastor and his family. But some drama developed in the church between the leaders of the church and the pastor. And I I was too young to know what the drama was but there's drama, and there was a lot of words spoken, and a lot of things happened, and there's a lot of pain that happened in that. And so my parents developed this mindset that um, <clears throat> of uh, you know loving their friend uh, and the church not being nice to their friends. And so when I said I'm called into the ministry, they started working uh, in any way possible to get me to move in another direction and not go into ministry. They said, you know, if you want to make a difference in the world, the best place to make a difference in the world is in the classroom. Why don't you become a school teacher? And so they started pushing me toward that. 
Well, during my senior year, I'm getting ready to take that next step and go to college, and they're still pushing me toward being a school teacher because truly that is one of the greatest places you can be uh, to change the world. But I was called into the ministry, and I was feeling this tension. I'll never forget one day, the tension was real in our house. I walked into the living room, and they had wanted me to go to a state school, but I wanted to go to Lee uh, Christian College, and they said, no, you're going to go to a state school. And I finally walked in and said, look, I am called into the ministry, and I'm going to leave whether you pay it for it or not. And that was like a moment in, in our, our family. And it was at that moment their hearts turned, and they supported me all through it and um, even um, throughout their lives. But there's, you may have friends or family members that they just don't understand. They just don't understand what God is doing inside of your heart. It's your dream, but it's not their dream. And so you've got to give some grace along the way for people who don't understand. But don't let them crowd out your dreams. Don't let your family crowd out those things that you know that you've been created for this, you've been made for this, and, and uh, you've been called to this. So sometimes family members can crowd out the dream, but not only that, sometimes your friends can. Your friends can come and you share your dream with your friends and they just don't get it. They don't understand you. They think they know you. They've been around you a long time, but they really don't know what's going down uh, going on deep in your heart. And so don't let them crowd out what God's done. Guard your heart. In Psalm chapter 1, David talks about three people that you don't, know to, uh, that you don't need to associate with because they will wear you down and they will shrink your vision. In Psalm chapter 1, in verse 1, it said, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of, or in the company of the mockers. Now, who are the mockers anyway? Mockers are those individuals that are, scorn, are scorners, they're critics and cynics. Do you have anybody that you hang out with that are just critical all the time? You know, just like a, a, a negative person, just critical, just cynical, everything. Uh, the, oh, it's a beautiful day today. Well, it's going to rain this week. You know, uh, everything that you have to say positive, they, they're just going to bring you down to uh, that negative. They just want to take it down a little bit. You have to guard, um, guard your heart. Because you see, what they're coming to do is they're trying to plant seeds. Oh, you, you can't do that. You need to forget that. Don't waste your time on that. Who do you? I mean, we've never done it that way before. And they will focus on the past and what has been done on the past, thinking that that's going to be your future. That your past is over. The future is where we need to move forward to. But notice the progression in Psalm 1 and 1. First, he says, don't walk with them. He says, don't stand with them and don't even sit down with them. He is saying, be careful who you hang out with. You'll become the average of the five closest friends that you have. 
Look at the five closest friends that you have, and that's, you're going to become the average of those people. And so you need to be careful who you hang out with. Bad company, the scripture says, corrupts good character. And so you need to watch that. And when I talk about uh, the word friend, I'm talking about, yeah, your acquaintances, your friends, but I'm talking really about the people who have influence over you. It may be a friend, but it also may be a coworker. It may be a, a um, management team member. It may be television. You know, there are people that their best friend is television. Their best friend is Netflix. And so you really have to be careful and guard yourself from the negative influences of your friends, whether they're uh, real friends or whether they're uh, Hollywood friends. Okay, you need to be careful of that because they can crowd out the vision, the dream that God has for you. I said there's five things. Here's the third one. It's fatigue. There are times when you lose your ability to dream simply because you're just too tired. You're just worn out. You've been burning the candle at both ends, and you've heard me say this over and over. If you burn the candle at both ends, you're just not as bright as you think you are. And so I've said that for years, and often I've heard my wife say that to me. Haven't you always preached this? And, uh, but, you know, you can go to a place where you get too tired. You're so busy that you don't have time to be creative. You don't have time to look at your life in a long-range point, uh, point of view. You, you, you live right in the here and now, and you never think about next year. You don't think about five years from now, and you don't think about ten years ahead. And you start to lose interest. And when that happens, and your vision for the future starts to shrink. You get burned out. And you start to settle for whatever's left. In the Old Testament, in 1 Kings chapter 19, there's a story of a very successful prophet named Elijah. Now, Elijah was very successful, and the story goes that he challenged the prophets of Baal, like 450 of them, uh, for this duel, and he defeated all of them. He is at the pinnacle of his career, this magic moment here. And as soon as that happened, like the next day, word got out what had happened, and the queen Jezebel put an edict out for anyone that sees Elijah to kill him. And so this made him fearful. And so Elijah ran. He ran as far as he could run to get away from this threat. He found himself in a cave, and there he was physically drained, and he was emotionally exhausted, and he was just mentally worn out. He was tired and he gave up on his dream. And God sent an angel to him. And the angel said, get up and eat. And later on, that angel came back. He said, Elijah, you need to get up and eat a second time. For the journey that you're going on is, gonna, is a long journey. And you need to be ready for that. And so in this case, we see God's antidote for depression was to eat, sleep, eat, sleep. Sometimes... It's amazing how much better things look after a good night's rest. You're tired. 
You need rest. Never make a major decision when you're depressed. But you need to put things on pause. Never decide to quit a job when you're tired. You need some rest. You need to have a better perspective. You need to feel better. You need to wait until you feel better so that you can have the proper perspective here. And then if you want to quit, go and do something else. Have at it. Man, there's job signs up everywhere across this place. And so if you're in a miserable job, this is your opportunity to find something different. But don't do it because you're tired or um, because you're exhausted or because you're depressed. Those are the wrong reasons to do that. Because oftentimes those things start to crowd out God's dream for your life. The next one is failure. You know, failure can drown out the dreams, uh, drown out, crowd out the dreams. And uh, we talked about this some last week. And there's a lot of examples of people who failed in the Bible. Today, just very quickly, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7. The children of Israel had just crossed over into the promised land. And they were winning battle after battle after battle. And they became prideful. And they allowed sin in the camp. And they they approached this small village of Ai with about 3,000 Israeli soldiers. And they assumed that they're going to win again. But they were routed this time. By the men of Ai. And 36 Israelis were killed. And as Joshua was trying to uncover why did this happen, he discovered a man named Achan. Now, his name is spelled A C H A N. It's not like the town Achan, but it's Achan. And what happened is Achan took something that didn't belong to him, he took something that belonged to the Lord. And because of Achan's sin, God pulled back his blessing on the Israelites. And the people failed. They lost the battle. Now, the good thing is Joshua dealt with it. And the people repented. And Achan and his family paid the ultimate sacrifice. Now, this was a setback for the children of Israel. But they dealt with it and they continued the journey. They dealt with it and they moved on. When you fail at something, you need to deal with it. You need to figure out why this thing did not work. You need to figure out what was going on um, uh, in the culture, what was going on in the company, what was going on in the family. You need to figure out why this thing failed. But after you have done that, you need to deal with it and you've got to move on. You've got to build your dreams on the future, not on the past. The past is over. I can't change the past. Some of you have a a dream for a happy marriage, and it failed. And and you cannot believe that you um, had anything to do with a failed marriage. And yet you sit here week after week, and and you've convinced yourself, I will never be happy again. I'll never be happy again. I want you to build on the hopes, not on your hurts. I want you to build on the hope that Jesus is going to give you a new day, a new future, a new song, a new life, a new life. Build on the better days ahead instead of building your life on the hurts that has taken place. 
Here's the fifth and final. These are like distractions that come in to, to crowd out God's vision and God's dream. It's fear. In the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 13, there's a story about the children of Israel going into the promised land. Moses was leading them. And Moses sent 12 spies ahead of the children of Israel to spy out the land. And these individuals, these guys, were supposed to come back and report to the larger group what they saw in the promised land. Okay? And so they went out and they came back. Now, two of the 12 men came back and said, yes, it is awesome, uh, great produce, everything else. We can do this, we can do it, we can do it. But the remaining 10 people, the majority of them, came back and said, oh, we can't do it. Those people, they're powerful. No, those cities are fortified. We cannot do this. There, yeah, we admit there's a tremendous opportunity here. There's a tremendous, but there are a lot of problems with this. They focused on the problems and not on the opportunity. They were afraid. When fear comes into your life, fear oftentimes causes you to exaggerate the difficulty. You start to exaggerate, man, this is much worse than we have thought. We can never do this. And you start talking yourself out of moving forward because you are exaggerating the difficulties. But not only that, you underestimate your own abilities. You're smart people. I'm speaking to a group of, uh, a congregation of brilliant people here. Some of the most brilliant people in this region are in our South Campus and in this campus right now. I, I sincerely, I, I believe that. You are leaders. You're leaders in this world. Leaders in the school, leaders in the classroom, leaders in industry, leaders in medical. Yeah, you're leaders. But so many times we underestimate our own abilities and, and we become afraid with that. And then we eventually give up and we start to blame God. And these things just start to crowd out faith and destroy dreams. When you look at this story in Numbers 13, it's interesting to me that 10 spies were negative, two spies were positive. It's about like that today. 80% of the people that you meet in the culture will be negative, and 20% will be positive. 80% are going to be fearful and trying to convince you that it's going to be worse than you ever imagined. We have lived for two years with this negative Fear that is trying to control you and hold you back from living the life God has called you to live. And the enemy's tactics have not changed for thousands of years. He uses fear to control you. He uses fear to immobilize you. He uses fear to crowd out God's dream for your life. 80% of the things you hear in the culture is negative. But I'm telling you, embrace God's word for your life. Embrace the positive word that he has for you. Fear is going to crowd out the dream. Now, those are five things. 
your family, friends, fatigue, failures, and fear. Those five things can crowd out your dreams. But I want to conclude with a story about a lady that pushed through the crowd. Those things come into us, they crowd out, they try to distract us. But there's a lady in Mark chapter 5 that she literally pushed through the crowd. This lady had a, uh, a sickness, an illness for 12 long years. The Bible says it was a bleeding condition, a disorder. And she had gone to many doctors. She spent all the money that she had, but for whatever reason, she did not get better. In fact, the Bible says she didn't get better, she actually got worse. And then one day, there was a commotion in town, and she went out to find out what's going on in our community, and uh, the word got back to her that Jesus was coming through town. He was passing through. Now, she had heard about Jesus, how Jesus had opened up blinded eyes, unstopped deaf ears, had caused lame people to regain their strength and start to walk again. And when she heard these stories, something came alive on the inside of her, and she thought, that if Jesus can do it for these other people, then he can do it for me too. So she had this dream of being healed. Now, I am sure there's a tendency that when you've been sick for 12 long years, there is a natural tendency uh, to lean toward the negative. To lean toward the, oh, uh, I've suffered so much, things are so tough, um, and so forth. It is just natural. It's natural to complain. Life is not fair. But this lady didn't do this. Instead of complaining, she said, you know, I think if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his garment, then I would be healed. But there was a problem. It was a big crowd. It was a great crowd. It was a great crowd. There are thousands of people all packed in, but this woman was determined, and she refused to give up. Most people in her condition would have given up, but she just kind of pressed through the crowd. She said, excuse me, I need to get by. Pardon me, I've got to get up front. Oh, I don't mean to be rude, but I need to move. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. And she just pushed her way through, and people were saying, who do you think you are, woman? Who do you think you are? And she said, excuse me, pardon me. She was on a mission. She had a made-up mind. I am sure by this time she is weak and she's exhausted as she is pushing through the crowd. But she um, continued to fight her way through. She's exhausted at the moment she fell on her knees and she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And right when she touched that hem of his garment, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? His disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? There are thousands of people all around here, and you're saying who touched you? There's a lot of people touching you. He said, no. Somebody touched me that drew the, the, the miracle-working power out of me. Somebody believed that healing was coming. Somebody believed that there was a door that was open. Somebody touched me with expectancy. Somebody touched me with faith. Who touched me? And Jesus looked at this woman, and when their eyes met, she was afraid. She felt like maybe she had done something wrong. And Jesus looked down at her in, in chapter 5 and verse 34. She said, he said, daughter, your faith, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I'll read this story, and I see the courage of this woman. 
there's several things I see in that that gives me encouragement. We see that her tenacity and the reason she was tenacious because she had a hope. So here's my word to you. Don't give up hope when you cannot find an answer. Don't give up hope because some of you have been looking for an answer for a long time. Could be months, it could be years. Could be like this woman over a decade. She's looking for an answer. I say don't give up hope. Don't give up hope when you can't find an answer. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Keep pressing through the crowd. Second thing, I just want you to be proactive, and I want you to look for a solution. You've got this dream, you've got this vision, and yes, things are crowding in. It could be your family, your friends, it could be you're tired, it could be the failure, it could be fear, whatever. They're just crowding out that vision God's given you. I want you to be proactive, start looking for a solution. This woman looked. Too many times we sit back and we wait for things to come to us. Now is not the time for you to sit on the sidelines and wait. Now is the time for you to move forward. Hear me. You say, oh, we're, we're just coming out of a pandemic. Look, this pandemic is an opportunity for God to show himself strong in your life. This is an opportunity for God to show himself strong in your life. Be proactive. Look for a solution. Don't allow the crowd to keep you from doing what you need to do. She was determined. She pressed through that crowd. She was determined that she was not going to allow the influence of other people to keep her from doing what she needed to do. Now, most of you, here's a little dose of reality. Most of you probably know what you need to do. And I'm just encouraging you to do it. But I want you to think about, this is going to surprise you that I would say this. I want you to think about what you know needs to be done and then when you got that thought in your mind, I want you to dial it back. I want you to dial it back. I want you to simplify it because honestly, you're overthinking this. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. You're overthinking this. You need to dial it back. You need to do what you can do and then let God do what you can't do. But too many times we talk ourselves out of moving forward because we have these grandiose ideas. I am telling you, Rome wasn't built in a day, and you're not going to see your dreams completed in a day either. I'll tell you, do what you can do. I want you to dial back those thoughts you are overthinking. Here's the problem. Your overthinking is keeping you from a better life. You're overthinking this thing, and the very fact that you're overthinking this, it's keeping you from a better life. It is time that you dial it back and take that step. Ask the Lord, God, show me what to do. Some of you, you have this dream. You want to change the world. You know, I appreciate that. 
and you envision yourself being in a place where you change the world. How about this? Just go to the Dream Center Saturday and serve one week. You know, we have this opportunity, and we have this vision that, oh, we're going to change the world. We're the next Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. How about just blooming where you're planted? Who knows? You may go to the Dream Center uh, and serve this week and catch a dream of a better life. I need to move on. I want you to move from thinking God can do something to believing that God will do something. I want you to move from thinking that God, oh yeah, God can do this, to believing, yes, in faith. I believe that God is going to do that. You see, the key in Mark chapter 5, this key in this lady's life was faith. It was it was her faith. I'm sure it was great that her parents was pr were praying for her. I am sure that uh, she was appreciative. Her friends were encouraging her. I am sure that, that she was appreciative that her neighbors were, were cheering her on. All that's good. But there is nothing more powerful than your faith. Not somebody else's faith, but there's nothing more powerful than your faith. When you believe and you start to expect things to, to change, you can start to say, yes, I know it's going to happen. I know that that breakthrough is coming. I know that that healing is on the way. I know that the right person is in my future. I know God is going to finish what he started in me. I know I am a victor in Jesus' name. We have faith that that's going to happen. I believe that you can cause the creator of the universe to say, whoa, who touched me? There were a lot of people in that crowd that day when Jesus walked through that village. A lot of sick people in that crowd. The Bible doesn't tell their stories. People in that crowd probably bumped into Jesus. The Bible tells a story about one lady in the crowd that reached out and touched him. There's a difference between bumping into Jesus. You, you come to church on Sunday and you bump into him. It's one thing to bump into him, but I am calling you to have that type of courage and that kind of faith that you're going to step out into the unknown and you're going to reach out and you're going to touch him and say, Jesus, I am reaching out to you. I need help and I am putting my confidence and faith in you. The crowd is going to come and try to push you away, push your dreams out. But Jesus is saying, come. I'm going to give you the power that you need. I'm going to give you the strength that you need. I'm going to give. I'm going to open the door for you. There's a lot of people in the crowd that day, but there was one lady that was determined. And I want to say to you that you need some determination here. If you are going to reach the God-given dreams that, that you feel in your heart, you've got to have a made-up mind, and you must be determined. There are too many people that just give up too easy. It takes a made-up mind that I am determined to press through this crowd. And that's my prayer for you today.
that God gives you the strength. God gives you the anointing. The anointing is a a release of God's spirit on you that gives you the ability to do things you could not do without that. That anointing will do various things. It can break the chains that hold you back. It can bring freedom to you. And so I always say, God, bring your anointing. God, come and let your presence, let your anointing rest upon me. I want you to be anointed this week. And when you go into work tomorrow and you face that challenge and you face those individuals that are trying to crowd out your dreams, knowing, said, oh, I am going in here in the power of the Lord, for I am anointed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I am telling you, tomorrow is going to be a great day. This company has never seen what I'm going to do because I am anointed to do it. Some of you are going to be teaching school tomorrow, and those kids are going to say, whoa, what happened to the teacher over the weekend? And she said, because I got anointed to teach. There's something about that, but we've got to be open to receive that and to step forward into God's plan for our lives. Well, our time's up, but I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for those in our South Campus, praying that God would move in this place. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so very much for what you're doing here in this room, in our South Campus, our and our Dream Center experience. I pray, God, that you would use this time to restore hope, to give life. And to those individuals that have never accepted Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Pray that. Say, Jesus, save me. Pray this. Say, make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Father, I pray for families here, families that are broken. I pray for people that are unemployed. I pray that hope would be restored. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.